Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello, hello. Welcome, or should I say welcome back to the Indie Football Podcast World Cup Daily uh, on the day. England reached their first World Cup semi-final since 1990, 28 years. England have had to wait seven World Cups and uh, after beating Sweden 2-0 uh, with an ease really that that flattered them. The, the occasion was huge, uh, a World Cup quarter-final as far as the golden generation ever got before them and a relatively unfancy team. And they came up against Sweden who they were favourites to beat but Sweden were organised and, and they were efficient. But what they had was uh, was nothing in attack, and England won two 0 Set pieces once again proving absolutely crucial. Then Deli Ali popping up with a goal in the second half, and Sweden never even really threw the kitchen sink. They barely even threw the tap uh, at England, who will play Croatia in the final four after Croatia beat Russia. Um, first of all, then I guess we should hear from the guys who are in Samara for this one. That's uh, Jonathan Liu and Jack Pitt Brook. I'll hand you over in a second, and when we come back, we'll discuss a little bit of Croatia Russia before we uh, start talking about the semi-final previews. Hello from Samara. Um, I'm Jonathan Liu and I've got Jack Pitbrook here and I've got one question for you, Jack. Is it? Is it what? Is it the worst semi-final lineup we've ever seen at the World Cup? <laughs> um, 2002 wasn't great. That was South Korea, Germany, Brazil and Turkey. Yeah, um, I mean, let's wait and see in Croatia, Russia. It, I mean, li- listeners, it's currently half time and one all in that game. Um, if Russia were to win, then yeah, maybe it is. I mean, a Russia, a Russia England semi final, as great as it is for uh, England. I mean, that, that's that's got to be one they can win on on a positive side. But but also, I mean, the, this is the big question now after after the Sweden game today. Is this an England side that, that that's capable of winning the Jules Rimet FIFA World Cup TM 2018? Yes, I mean that that's the only answer to that question. Of course they are. I mean they're in the semi-finals and they're going to play. They're not going to play a team who is much better than them. We know that for certain. Um, and then you know, so they've got close. Let's say close to a fifty percent chance of being in the final. Which is an amazing thing to say. Then, when you're there, obviously France or no, yeah, presumably France or Belgium would go into that game as favourites. But it's a World Cup final, you know. It's only it's only one football match. France, neither front. I mean, Belgium look penetrable at the back, and France look. I mean, France have played well once and averagely four times. So you know, the odds would, the odds of them playing well again are not that high. I think of the of the teams that started the competition uh Brazil obviously would have I mean I we're talking about countries that would have that England maybe have a little bit of a complex about Brazil definitely Germany definitely Spain I think maybe even Portugal given 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 the history yeah. uh but they're all gone I don't th- I mean France would probably be the, the 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 team they would they would fear most um but I mean I don't think necessarily that that 
there's any team left there to scare them. The question is, like, how, how much room for improvement is there and how much improvement will they have to make? Because they haven't, I mean, I looked up, they haven't beaten a team in a, in a ranked in the top 15 in the world yet. No, that's true. Though I do think England are improving. That was one of my main take-homes from the game today. Like, the two things which we we discussed recently were... Like, one, not creating enough in open play. I thought today was England's best open play performance. Uh, you know, scored a lovely goal from open play. Uh, should really have scored more. Obviously, Sterling had that good chance in the end of the first half. In the second half, there were so many times where England were nearly through and then it, it didn't quite work out. But I think there's definitely there's more fluency in the team. You could see they got more confident as the game went on. Uh, they started passing and moving better. I think a lot of that's to do with the fact that it was Deli Ali's best game in the World Cup so far. Um, and the other point in which they improved was a clean sheet. Like, they conceded a sloppy goal against Tunisia, a sloppy goal against Panama, a sloppy goal against Colombia. Um, whereas today, they were really good. I mean, they allowed two or three chances, but Pickford made three good saves in the second half. One really, really good one down to his right. Uh, I thought that the Maguire-Stones-Walker back line is looking better and better with every game. Um, so, I do think that England are on the way up. Like they're kind of peaking at the right time. Well, hopefully they haven't peaked yet. Uh, and I do think that it's, you know, if they do improve, continue to improve, take that improvement into the semi-finals, then there's no reason they can't win that as well. Just come from the um, the, the press conferences with the two managers and, and Jana Andersson, the Swedish manager. Well, first of all, he said that England are, are good enough to win the World Cup. Uh, but, what, I mean, the interesting thing was he sort of he pinpointed that back three as really the, you know, the, the most formidable part of the whole unit. That between... You know, for the first first forty minutes of the game, and and actually for for most of the game, Sweden found it very hard to to create chances. And, and he was saying that it, it's really really hard to break this defence down. And I, I wonder, you know, we, we all know that that good defences win you World Cups, probably more than than than, than good attacks do. But um, is that is that is that the key then? Um, yeah, I think so. I think. I think so. I mean, I feel increasingly confident about the state of, the, of England's defence, um, despite having, having been a bit anxious about it earlier on in the tournament. Uh, I think that if you, you know, partic- particularly if they were to be playing in a final against France or Belgium, who have got so much attacking, attacking threat and speed up front, it would kind of be a case of, I think England, having been kind of the progressive team so far, I imagine that in the final England would want to play a more conservative game, kind of sit back, keep it tight, and then try and get one on the break or from a set piece. Because I don't, one if, if you know, one issue with England going into, so I mean, I'm getting slightly ahead of myself, second up a final, not, not the semi final. But if you would have an issue up against Belgium or France, it's that you wouldn't want England to be too expansive and play too high up the pitch, I guess. Because that's why, that's when you get done by Mbappe or Hazard running in behind. I, I want to talk a little bit about the, basically what it's, what it's been like. Um, we, we, we've been following England all around, like Jack's done all the games, I've, I've done all the games except Belgium. And all the real it, games. All the real games, yeah. And, and it's, it's just, uh, you know, from my point of view, it's been like easily the most like enjoyable and, and rewarding and surreal experience of my entire working life and 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 i include in that the the sort of the six weeks i spent working at next as a 17 year old in a christmas sale where people would come in at five in the morning and you, you basically have to i mean they they i mean i'm getting they, they would come in and they would literally start flinging clothes around the place it was absolute pandemonium so, so your job would basically just be picking up clothes off the floor that anyway i'm getting, getting sidetracked here it, it's it's easily like just the, the weirdest thing and I, I guess I, I want to 
to get to get your take on it. What what's it been like to cover? You know, because you, you've been in Rapino almost every day. You've been, you know, you, you've been going to press conferences, seeing the players, and and and, and what what's what's it been like? Yeah, it's been strange. Um, I mean, this is the first time I've been to, to a World Cup, so it's all like the newness of it hasn't really sunk in on that level. Um, it's. It, I mean, if, if this has been said before, but it feels like it's such a privilege to be part, even on the you know, outer fringes, but still part of something which is, you know, the big national obsession back at home. And it, you're kind of in this position a little bit like the players, where you your sense of what's going on in the UK is like only seen through... I just watched the hilarious video of a man in uh, jumping off a bus in Clapham Junction and going through a uh, going through a, a bus shelter. Like, I mean, I hope he's not dead, or this can sound incredibly callous. I'm not. I'm not saying that if I was in England, that man would be me. But uh, <laughs> there is a sense that you think, well, I, you know, you do. There is a tiny part of you that would like to be part of that stuff in England. But it's a. It's an amazing buzz to be actually here, kind of on the ground. Uh, seeing everything's first hand and then kind of getting relayed electronically what is happening in England. It's also difficult because like like Johnny, I'm you know, I'm not one of those people who doesn't support the England team. Like I do support the England team. I do want them to do well, but of course when you're in the when you're actually in the moment of doing the work, you have to sort of put your emotions to the back of your mind and then they might seep through later on. Like after the Columbia game, that was obviously very manic work wise. Uh, you know, I had to write all the reports and everything and initially had one written for Columbia winning and then, sorry, for England winning 1-0, then for Columbia winning on pens and then had to do, do the England one and then afterwards you kind of go into the mix zone to speak to the players and you and everything and then I went back and had kind of an hour and a half of sleep and then the next morning I was on a kind of 5.30am train from St. Petersburg to Moscow and then all the kind of uh, pent up emotion of the previous evenings kind of hit me and I started welling up uh, largely because I was just watching the Jordan Pickford save from Carlos Backer on repeat on my phone over and over again so it's kind of as someone who wants England to do well but that isn't why I'm here I'm here to do a job it is I mean it's a kind of strange mix of emotions how do yeah, you find that? yeah it's, it's the it's um there's a weird kind of delayed reaction I mean at the time I mean, we, we both we were both sat through that penalty shootout Obviously, the emotions are coursing through you, but they're they're almost sort of inflected with the piece that you've got to write and the deadlines that are that are, that are coming up, and and also you know what what everybody else is doing back home. It's just it's such a weird mix, and and yeah, there there is this kind of delayed gratification that uh, that that yeah, it doesn't it doesn't doesn't hit you until later. We are both you know we should be quite tired. I mean, I'm quite tired. I'm but. Uh, we've been averaging what like three three four hours of sleep a day uh yeah i mean physically it's it is i am quite tired but equally it's such a i'm sure if England weren't here i would be more kind of ready to go home or like Mm. counting down the days because we both you know obviously we both fly back next monday whatever happens but in reality like it that kind of stuff is is kind of overridden by the adrenaline and the just the fun really the fun of being out here seeing this amazing thing unfold which none of us expected and has gone so much better than anyone could have hoped for in almost every way in in football journalism um for, for, from my point of view and, and a lot of people's points of view there is no traditionally there has been no worse job 
than covering England at a major tournament. A number of people I've spoken to, our journalists over the years, even like before this tournament, who say, I can't wait for England to go out so I can, I can go and cover some proper football. And it's just not been like that. It's, just, it's, been, an, it's been an absolute joy. I mean, you've still got the same, you know, heifer lumps, you know, running the, the, the England press pack that, 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 that have always been there. So right, they, don't, they don't listen to the Indie Football podcast. Um, but, uh, you know, but the football itself, the buzz of it, the sheer thrill of, of being close to a moment that that we know may like may never be repeated in, in our lifetime i'm sure you know the, the press corps covering the 1966 world cup final thought oh we might get to do this again and they never did so being that close to covering fucking england in a world cup final uh is is just well it's, it's, it's making me feel a bit teary at the moment to be honest so um any, any anything to anything to add to any of that uh, no not really beyond the fact that even if england do lose an all if England lose on Wednesday, uh, I hope it's kind of taken in in good grace. Like I hope that we accept that it's still been a massive. Even if the players screw up and choke, even if they lose on pens, or even if they just don't show up because they're exhausted mentally, I hope that the whole the campaign as a whole is taken as a kind of unambiguous positive. Basically, I don't want any bollocks about oh they didn't they didn't beat any good teams or whatever. Yeah, because uh, I, I think that to have got to the stage they've got and to play a quarterfinal as nervously as they did today and to have provided the country with such a kind of unexpected positive moment um, has now, I think we can now say it's been a kind of unambiguous good um, it kind of completely independent of what happens, in next, what happens next week and I hope people are mature enough to recognise that Yeah, well, uh, we hope it's been as, as enjoyable for you back home as, as it is for us out here um, we're gonna we're gonna go go and off and do some more work now and maybe get some sleep. But um, yeah, treasure these days, treasure these moments as long as you live. Um, over and out from from Samara. See ya. Dare I say it? An emotional Jonathan Liu there in Samara, where England had just qualified for the World Cup semi final uh, in what he described as one of you know the greatest moments of uh, of his career covering sport, which tells you. How it does feel around the the squad. Um, that penalty shootout, I have to say, is is one of the the weirdest moments of my career in terms of just being so over overridden by something happening in front of you, but then also having this enormous work concern of how the hell am I going to write about this in the next five minutes? Uh, but what we have now is Wednesday night, a date with destiny. France Belgium is the first semi final. We knew that um, that promises to be a brilliant game on Tuesday. But Wednesday in Moscow at the Luzhniki Stadium, uh, it will be England against Croatia after Croatia beat Russia on penalties. It was a uh, thoroughly entertaining kind of game in in the way that you had moments where anything could have happened. Uh, the, The goals in extra time, it looked like Croatia had won it, uh, only for unbelievably... Russia to come back and score a late, late equaliser, 115th minute equaliser through uh, Mario Fernandes, the Brazilian-born fullback. Uh, eventually, he would be one of those who'd miss his penalty, unfortunately, as uh, Croatia went through. It was uh, not the best penalty shootout, uh, not of the quality of the ones we saw the other day, but the uh, the hosts go out kind of, I guess, in a way that everyone will, in- everyone will be okay with. You know, they, they came along for the party and, and far exceeded expectations. But Croatia looked like a real team. I mean, they weren't fantastic, and then they obviously couldn't get past Russia in 120 minutes. 
But uh, they're a team that England should be scared of. Uh, and uh, the only thing I think that we need to focus on from an English point of view is how you can nullify that midfield. I think midfield has been the weakest part of the England team so far. And it's obviously the strong suit of Croatia. But we'll preview that far more in the coming days. Um, otherwise, uh, I think that's all that's left to be said today. We'll have a, a bigger pod uh, in time for Monday morning. Uh, but until then, uh, thank you for listening as ever. It's uh, independent.co.uk slash football for all the, the latest news. Johnny has written something uh, quite brilliant on the uh, on the moments uh, of that quarterfinal. And I think, uh, as you can hear from his voice, it's something you, you'll want to latch on to and, and read. Uh, it's called After Heartbreakers and Nailbiters, England Finally Manage a Fun Win. And I think there was that element of of freedom and something that you can enjoy today much more than against Colombia, which was just unbelievable tension. Um, there's uh, Jack Brook also on there doing the match report for you and uh, some pieces about set pieces, about Harry Maguire or Slabhead, as he's brilliantly known. And uh, we'll be back with more tomorrow. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com.